Oh, you thought you were safe from morons? <laughs> no, not in this lifetime, nor this dimension. There are morons everywhere. Spook Show, Kyle Carezzi. Uh, all this talk of morons really got me uh, jazzed up. So many goddamn morons and dipshits everywhere. It's hard to avoid. Can you avoid it? No. Can it be done? Sometimes, but not as often as you'd like. <laughs> That's exactly right! Unfortunately. But this is Quarantine Spook Show. Uh, this is the show where I tell improvised horror stories. Uh, I start off with a randomly selective title, and then I uh, improvise the stories from there. Uh, if you'd like to submit a story title, you can email them, the Quarantine Spook Show at gmail.com. Or just send them to me through other means that aren't uh, creepy. Does creepers be creeping? Just when you think things aren't creepy, what happens? It gets creepy. Alright, let's begin. 
no, not the creep smoke. That's the worst kind of smoke to choke yeah. on. <laughs> That's ah oh, so creepy. I can't think of anything creepier than inhaling too much smoke at one time. Mm hmm. I'd listen to that band. Yeah. All right, let's see what's in the jar tonight. Hmm. All right, this one's pretty intriguing. This one's called Circle of Fifths. I don't know about you, but I always thought music theory class in high school was a real pain in the ass. I think I pissed off my teacher because I can't read music. And she would just be like, dude, it's the circle of the fifths. It's just like the easiest thing ever. And I'm just like, no, -uh, shut up. And then I storm out of the class. Maybe I was being an asshole, but I didn't care. I just like to listen to music by ear, you know? Get the vibe of it, man, like Django Reinhardt or something. I'd jam with some friends after school, and I would just be like, uh, being loosey-goosey about it, you know, playing guitar, and they'll just be like, hey man, your guitar's out of tune, and I'll be like, nuh uh, it's really fucking smooth and jazzy. And they'd be like, nah, man, your guitar's out of tune. I I think you're tone deaf. I think you couldn't. I think you couldn't hear a note if it socked you in the eye. And I'd be like, whatever, man. Then I thought about it, you know, getting shit from a music theory class, getting shit from some uh, friends that I jam with. So I'd just be toiling away in my room, playing a guitar that may or may not have been out of tune. My tuner was out of batteries, uh, so I couldn't tune it properly. I didn't have a tuner app on my phone. Because I dared not let the internet uh, intrude itself on the creative process, man. I was a purist when it came to music and sound. Sound should be pure, whether it's analog or digital. I don't want my music and sounds to be secretly documented in the form of data and to be used against me in the form of advertisements? Nah, man. It was personal to me. But still, I was getting a little paranoid of what people were saying about me and my music. People saying that I sucked the guitar and whatnot give demo recordings of stuff I was jamming out with 
and they'd listen to it for like 40 minutes. And they'd just be like, dude, this is just 40 minutes of you hitting your head with a lamp. And I was just like, well, it's hard to adjust. It kind of lowers when I don't expect it, man. Whatever. It's part of the process, man. Uh, you know, the limitations, constrictions, you know. You gotta give yourself walls you can break through, man. To the other side, dude. But I was getting worried, because I was worried that I wasn't even impressing anyone with my sick guitar playing. The music and beat was in my heart, but I don't know, maybe I was tone deaf and unlearned in the ways of music. shop by my house, you know. I was looking through piano books for uh, 90s Disney musicals and all that. A couple of books of jazz standards. How to learn piano for beginners. But the shop I went to always had a back room with all the good music books, you know. cuts of moderately obscure albums and the tablature and whatnot. Anyway, I was toiling away toiling away in the uh, one of the practice rooms, uh, to an appetite for destruction, uh, tab book playing some jams in Paradise City and whatnot. And I was getting some glances from people passing by. It's like they were giving me looks as if they were saying, hmm, that kind of sounds like Paradise City, but like a much shittier attitude version of it. And then they just keep walking on. fingers not be able, being able to catch up. So in a fit of rage, I just tossed my guitar across the room. And then I was just like, oh shit, that's actually not my guitar. It's actually a, not a bad Gibson SD that I kind of fucked up. Go to the other side of the room and check for damage. Even though it doesn't have a plastic finish, it still looks fine. No, There are no dents or creases on it that I couldn't convince a music person that they weren't already there before I tampered with it. But I took a closer look at where I threw the guitar. And there was a little door at the edge of the room. And I just thought, huh, I've been in this practice room multiple times. I've never noticed this loose board before. shallow little tunnel. Seems just like an old storage space, you know. I didn't know what this building used to be before the music shop came in, but it definitely seemed untouched for a very long time. So I'm 
actually looking around, kind of curious, you know. I see some cool guitar picks that I pocket and whatnot. Some random papers of sheet music. And then I find a little wooden board. A little wooden, wooden board. Shaped like a circle. It was very old, but it still had a very fine lacquer finish. And it had some very small etchings in gold on it. That really shine uh, under the practice loom light and I was just like what is that so I pull it out of the cubby with me and I take a closer look at it and on the top it says circle of fifths there's a whole diagram of the circle of fifths it displayed every note in uh, western music and the corresponding key uh, associated with it I've seen images similar to this circle uh, online, and I've had the circle of fifths uh, explained to me multiple times. Uh, I still don't quite get it. But it was really cool. It was a really nice, uh, a nice decorative view of that. It said, especially since there's thirds involved in the circle of fifths. And then, I feel you, man. Oh, yeah. That's what someone said to me before. Yeah, there are thirds involved too, and I'm just like, what the fuck? I don't know. But still, it was a nice decorative piece. It really seemed like a good homage to my passion for music. And it seemed pretty old, so it couldn't possibly be too expensive. So I bring it to the front counter, and I'm just like, oh, hey, I, I found this, and I found some picks uh, in this back uh, cubby in the practice room. And a cashier uh, named Dean that I knew, he was just like, what, you, what were you doing in the back cubby? And I was just like, you know, I was just kind of noodling around, you know. You know how that goes, like curious uh, student musician and all that jazz. And he was just like, uh, okay, whatever. So I inspected the Circle of Fifths uh, little board. And he was just like, oh no, I've never, never seen this before. shouted, hey Todd, come here real quick. Todd was the owner of the store. And he walked over. And he was just like, hey man, I can't find like a barcode for this. Is this something we actually sell? Todd looked at it, adjusted his, uh, his glasses with his uh, presumably expired lenses. And then when he got a good, clo good close look of it, just like he shrugged and he was just like nah let him, let him take it you know if he found it, it's his I don't want anything to do with that and I was just like alright I guess I gotta get a nice little circle of fifths board feel it was a little bit improving, you know. The notes kind of started to make a little bit more sense. Everyone 
wouldn't say I was tone deaf, but I was definitely just like, ah, oh, maybe I'm getting the hang of this after all. Music is something that can truly be learned. So I went to bed that night, uh, feeling like there was a breakthrough in my practicing. My circle of fifths board hanging on the wall. I slept soundly. after was a bit of a grind, you know, I just, uh, eat some half-toasted bread, and then, uh, smear some butter on it, and run to the bus, and it's a big mess. And a lot of people were talking, uh, to each other, but I was kind of sitting by myself that day. But everyone was speaking in a way that was very, like, sing-songy, you know, more than I was used to. theory class today. I think my teacher hates me. I'm just gonna fucking go in and just, you know, hopefully something I learned will show through or whatever. So the teacher, uh, Miss Donnelly, she was just like, hello, Michael. And I was just like, yeah, I'm Michael. Hi. And she was just like, how are you today? And I'm just like... Okay, uh, I'm, I'm okay. Why, why are you singing? And she was just like, what do you mean? I'm not singing. We haven't even started class yet. And I'm just like, all right. And then my friend Stacy was just like, yeah, Michael, sit down, you asshole. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Was this new thing when I walked out the one day that everyone just decided to sing all the time? There's a lot of music theater musical theater kids in class, so I kind of dismissed it at the time. So there was one point when I was playing guitar and I had to perform it for the class a little bit, showing them what I learned. And I thought I was playing something pretty good, pretty decent. And the teacher was just like, that's not your best, Michael. You still quite don't have a fix fixture on what a key is. And I was just like, well, actually, that don't sound like in the same key to me. And she was just like, well, maybe you gotta practice more, do-do-do. And I was just like, oh, fuck, okay. And it was just like that during the entire day. Everyone was singing, you know, hello, Michael, and do you know what's for lunch today? And I'm just like, I don't know, I didn't eat yet. I heard it's pizza, should be good. And I'm just like, what the fuck's going on? Throughout my entire school day, everyone's goddamn singing. It's like, it was worse than a fucking glee nightmare. <laughs> Even the sounds I heard felt like they were in the same key. start to panic a little bit. Everything, all sounds, what people say, random sounds, even 
Even when I dropped my bag in the hallway, it was sounded like a minor third, you know? And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? So I go in my room and I see the circle of fifths chart. Now it's a line in a certain key. There's a little arrow at the bottom that you can turn, like a compass or a clock or something. So I stared at it. I had a crazy thought and I just said to myself, huh, I wonder. So I turned the needle to C major. Something felt different, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. When my mom said it was time for dinner, she did it in a sing-songy way. It's time for dinner, but it almost sounded like it was in the key of C. So I was sitting at the table with me and uh, my two brothers, and we were all talking in song, like da-da-doo, da-da-dee, and, you know, kind of like that. But it was all remarkably in the key of C. And I was just like, huh. It's really something. So I went back to my room, and then I changed the needle to where it was originally. out that every time I moved the needle in the circle of fifths to a certain key, every sound I would hear would be in that key. Even if I listened to ASMR sounds, I would, it would still be in a certain key. Melodies would envelop. So from there, I just started to write stuff down, you know, come up with the melodies that I would hear in my head and from sounds around me. even started to construct some half idea for half ideas for songs for that but really just focusing on capturing the melodies that I could hear I would even jam with my friends and show them what I got and they'd be like holy shit Michael this isn't bad and I'd be like yeah yeah thanks I have the real song in my heart you know Present, I even presented some of my stuff to music theory class. My teacher was actually impressed. It's like, oh, you really found out about what keys are. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I, I sure did. That was three months ago. For the next three months... Everything I hear is in song. Sure, it started off as a gift. An absurdity at worst. And I got some good song ideas and melodies from it. And I far understood music so much more ever since I was uh, introduced to the circle of fifths wheel. But now it's all I can hear. Every little sound I can hear its minute structure and how it fits with everything else. You think it would be profound, but to me it's become agony. 
All I hear is music. And how the sounds move and work together. Eventually one day I start to panic. I take the circle of fits and I throw it away. So maybe the distance of it will shake it off me or something. I threw it in a dumpster and it went to the dump. I don't know what's become of it since. But the music was still still there. The only difference would be that everything wouldn't be in the same key, but everything would be music. But it's getting to the point where was everything becoming musical? Or is my ear for music become so sharp that I can't unhear music from now on? magic of the wheel, or my own musical prowess getting the best of me. It's terrifying me. I was just like, no, no, everything fits, but everything can't fit. It's just not the way things are. It was too much order. I need a little bit of chaos. Since I had the wheel, I started to write little songs for myself getting pretty well received, and I was getting book, actually booking some shows with my band. And my friends started noticing I was getting too experimental. I would use like car crash sounds and mutilated bicycles and stuff. The bending of steel. I incorporate those into my music. show it to my friends and they'd just be like, oh geez, Michael, this kind of sounds like a lot of noise. And I'd be like, no, it's the most musical, musical fucking thing ever and I can't help it. I was trying to associate random conglomerate of sounds together. People were comparing me to Aphex Twin or whatever and I'm just like, no, I'm not trying to write music. Thought it was a very profound statement. He's not trying to write music, yet it's great music. And I'm just like, oh my god. I was getting a reputation in my town for it, and I was getting ahead of myself. I just started to write song after song, trying to find a way to write myself out of my music knowledge. Eventually I hit my breaking point. One night I was fixing my guitar using a screwdriver to uh, unplate it and work with the guts of it and whatnot. And I try to adjust the guitar so it has a weird noise and doesn't fit any sort of key or melody, but it's still a very good sound. And then I just start to lose it and I smash my guitar all over my kitchen table. Pieces shattered all over the kitchen floor. And I scream, I can't take it anymore! And even that was sing-songy. I was ridiculing myself without even trying. So I take the screwdriver and I jab it in both my ears. All I hear is two pops and then silence. I, I sigh with relief being able to hear it. The pain is agonizing, but it's finally 
to not be around music after so much sound and music poisoning. So I became without sound since then. And it's been bliss ever since. But sometimes, I would hear the faintest of melodies. talking about relative minors? Yeah, Kyle. I'm talking about relative minors. Well, I mean, with the circle of fifth, it's like the main 12 keys and the relative minor is just like a different it's not really placement of key, just... Though. It's not. Those are just the major keys. Yeah. It's what the man wants you to think. But they're just, right. they're just keys, you know? You're just gonna buy whatever the man tells you to No, I'm saying, but rel rel relative minors are the same keys as the major keys. Alright, we can... We can in what... What scale are we talking about here? <laughs> All right, we can have a whole. The relative minors are a third down. From yeah. Major. And. So. But it's the same notes orchestrated with it. It's not though. They're not the same notes. That's a minor scale. It's totally different. They just share accidentals. It changes the nature. We can we can have a whole <laughs> we can have a whole theological discussion about the nature really gonna, of circle. I'm not ar this? not arguing. I'm just you saying. We, after, you know, just... after the show, <laughs> after the show, let's go. We'll have a circle of yeah, fifth debate. We'll 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 line, look it up. Line up right now. We'll, let's one go. One more jerk lined up telling me what my job is, even though it's not your job. Go ahead and tell me what it is. Let's go. Circle of fifths. Yeah. It's all just one key. It's all a bunch of notes. <laughs> There's not even a circle, man. <laughs> right. I mean, not really. I'm I'm just peeving you. We can chat about it more. I can't wait to sl to slide the back door open so we can talk to people yeah. about how you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we can just traumatize the goats with our musical blood fest or whatever. Our musical <laughs> blood fest, yeah. They were so happy to see me, by the way. It was ridiculous. They were running to see me. <laughs> oh. I got a little uh, comment. Uh, are you writing this? Uh, yes, I'm improvising it. I'm making it up, up, making it up as I go. Well, he's technically not writing it. There's no pen involved. Whoever's listening. Well, improv is a form of writing, really. They're both the same. I do. Do you want to step yes. outside about this? Yes. Yes, that's true. It's, it's a form of writing for sure. If you can write, you can improv. You if you can improv, you can write. From your soul. This show is the evidence of that. That they're very similar. <laughs> that's right. Yes, folks. Wait. He really is just making this yes. up as he goes. As I it's go, incredible. I got a I got a jar full of uh, horror story titles. I've never seen any of them before. Nope, not a one. I just pick one and I just make up the story as I go. We'll volunteer them. Or yeah. Or they they send them to uh, or a quarantine spook show uh, at gmail dot com is another source. A bunch of links on the Twitch page and all that jazz. But uh, yeah, I'm just making this shit up. I I know we've talked about this before, but like. After the pandemic, when are you going to call the show? <laughs> I just want to keep keep the name the same, you know? <laughs> it's going to be post-quarantine spook show. <laughs> uh, the quarantine spook show. 
I think, yeah, I think it's, yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just Josh here. Oh, yeah, you're joshing. Do you want to step outside? Any day. I'll step outside any day with you. Yeah. Yeah. Go for a nice stroll or whatever. Yeah. All right. I don't want to be, I don't, okay. Here we go. Oh, my. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. It's a pun. It's uh, this one's called a hostile takeover. Hostile as in I get the, it. the living quarters oh, <laughs> in various parts of the world. in uh, San Francisco and North Beach, or excuse me, the Mission District, rather. What's the most glamorous hostel? Uh, it's pretty uh, low price, though. We had a pretty small staff. Uh, people would come and go. We'd have some regulars that would visit during the spring and summer, and be nice to see them again, you know. But does he like to keep his hostel affordable and accessible? Uh, people from many walks of life would come on by and stay for a bit. But sometimes he would uh, read reviews of his hostel. Uh, there was one one-star review that he read that was just called uh, a dumpy piece of shit. And uh, he'd be, he was just like, oh, that's, that's not nice, you know. He tried to keep it clean to the best of his ability. Even though he was away for, you know, months at a time. Or perhaps he was uh, a bit guilty and not taking care of it the way that he could have. He never anticipated to be a five-star plaza, but, uh... With recent complaints and bad reviews, uh, there are less, uh, less uh, people staying in the hostel. He's starting to lose a little bit of money on it, so he's just like, "All right, well, maybe I can, maybe I can spruce the place up a little bit, you know, find new ways of doing things." Uh. But he wasn't quite sure on how to do that. saw a pamphlet uh, one day when he was at a conference for uh, hostel owners and whatnot, hostel, hotel, Airbnb curators. It was the biggest room and board conference in the West Coast, and it took place in 
Bakersfield for some reason. We saw this one booth, uh, who, uh, claimed to go over and, uh, promote, uh, different hostels and hotels and Airbnbs and whatnot. They were kind of going for a Kitchen Nightmares thing, but, uh, without the enigmatic, uh, host or, uh, spearhead of it. But it was called a Hostel Takeover. And they would also document their process and, uh, Uploaded on a YouTube show, and they would, uh, and Theo met one of the people there who's just, uh, he was just like, Yeah, we're hoping we're gonna, we're actually like pitching to Netflix, to Hulu, you know, we wanna get this to a bigger audience, and, but, uh, most of all, we wanna, we wanna help out, uh, hostel owners and hotel owners, Airbnb curators, etc., even some landlords, you know, whatever. And Theo was just like, Huh, that could be, that'd be cool, I can help out a little bit, get some good publicity, or not good publicity. It's kind of a mixed bag with Kitchen Nightmares, you know. He didn't like the idea of uh, his hostel being ridiculed for being dumpy, but also he needed something, uh, so it wouldn't totally tank. So Theo was just like, alright, maybe I'll give you guys a call. About a month later, he did. He called Hostel Takeover and set a submission to be on their show. And then they said they'd send some people out uh, for about three weeks. And they really spruced and changed the place up. Hopefully, we'll get some more business. And Theo was just like, alright, cool, it's great to hear, you know. he was working the counter and then uh, an official uh, person from uh, a producer from Hostel Takeover comes by and she's just like hi are you Theo and then, uh, he was just like yeah yeah I am and she was just like hi hi I'm uh I'm Karen nice to meet you uh we're, yeah I'm with Hostel Takeover we're uh so yeah we came to do the show she had a camera behind her It's like, great, well, I'm happy to, you know, comply. I can introduce you to the staff or whatever, you know, whatever that process is. And she was just like, oh, you don't have to do anything, you know, you don't have to worry about it. And then Theo was just like, well, what do you mean I don't have to worry about it? And then Karen opened the door and uh, shouted out, just like, all right, bring all the stuff in. started to bring in a bunch of crates and stuff. And then Theo was just like, wait, what's going on? And then Karen was just like, well, this is a hostile takeover, obviously. And then Theo was just like, yeah, but you said you meant like a like a makeover, right? You know, like a home makeover, a restaurant makeover or something. And she's like, no, we're gonna we're taking over your hostel. You consented to it. You signed a contract for it. It's a pretty long one. You should have should have read it. And Theo was just like, yeah, I thought that was just like a bunch of just like a public image television stuff. 
that she was just like, oh no, we're gonna, we own your hostel for three weeks and we're gonna do what we want with it. Don't worry, people will love it by the end of it. And then the moving team, uh, two of them brought in a, a very large bazooka and started to bring it in. And Theo's just like, wait, are you bringing in weapons? And she was just like, oh yeah, we're gonna make it into a compound. And then Theo's just like, you gotta be shitting me. Karen was just like, yeah, this is okay. This is a perfect location, you know, prime in the Mission District, you know. San Francisco has a reputation of being a revolutionary city, after all. And then Theo was just like, God damn it. Eventually, the moving team started to kick out all the guests and all the staff members. Some of them were reimbursed, some of them weren't. But everyone was just like standing outside the hostel with their belongings and whatnot. And Theo was just like standing flabbergasted at his establishment, his stout three story building. And his other staff member, who would tend to do cleanup and like cashier stuff, would just be like, Theo, what's going on? And then Theo was just like, I signed up for um, uh, like a show called Hostel Takeover. Was like, oh, dude, you shouldn't have, dude, you shouldn't have done that, man. Why did you just give over to hostel like that? And Theo was just like, I, I don't know. I was, I was desperate. I needed, I needed help with uh, fixing it up, sprucing it up. And the staff member named Marcus was just like, well, they're gonna, they're gonna fuck up your hostel for three weeks. So I hope you're happy. But he saw it on the news plenty. The people took over the hostel. They didn't subscribe to any specific ideology. They just wanted to overthrow the government or overthrow something. They really weren't clear about what they wanted. Uh, they just had a lot of guns and they were ready to shoot if they were infiltrated. And then Theo was just like, well, that's the opposite of what you want from a hostel. tried to walk by the hostel, see if he can break in and save his establishment somehow. Called a couple lawyers and tried to get a, some help that way, but they all said the same thing. Just like, well, if you sign the contract, you don't get it back until three weeks. From then, we can, you can try to move in with something, but uh, yeah, you're pretty much fucked without a hostel. left Theo without income for three weeks, which was a big blow to him. So he would just stake out the hostel every night, see if he could find any weak spots for it. He didn't know what they were scheming, uh, who they were aligned with, if anyone at all.
Theo decided to do was he tried to break in. There was one specific basement window that he knew wasn't fastened that would never fasten all the way. charts everywhere. And he looked at the chalkboard with a lot of plans that they had. There's a lot of arrows and names of politicians pointing different places. There's an illustration of the moon for some reason and Mars. A weird portrait of Elon Musk. of a sperm cell and an arrow pointing to the moon. He read the news story about the whole semen to the moon thing and he thought it was the dumbest thing ever. Could this hostile takeover be aligned with that? It was hard for him to say. around, but he couldn't make heads or tails of any of it. Eventually one of the guards saw him and called him, and attacked him to the ground, and then punched him in the face a few times, and then tied him and put him in the corner of a room. And then he was confronted with uh, Karen and two or three other guards. Theo, and then uh, Karen was just like Theo. You gotta, you gotta trust the process, man. You know we're almost finished uh, with our hostile takeover, and then you have it back. And then Theo was just like, Nah, I didn't consent to this at all. I thought you'd just like spruce it up, you know, give us some advice on treating customers well and cleaning stuff up. You know, this is ridiculous. It's just like, oh, don't worry. It's all part of the plan. <clears throat> and Theo was just like, oh, the last thing I need is someone named Karen talking about a plan. So Theo remained tied up for the next couple weeks. They'd feed him once in a while. television on with the news on and they would talk about uh, the takeover apparently other people were trying to break into the hostel because Theo was uh, an alleged host hostage but it caused some discrepancy because he was also the owner of the hostel so some people were mistaking it for a farce and Theo was just like oh my god this sucks He lost a considerable amount of weight because he wasn't being fed well, even though it was his own hostel. He looked around at all the all the people redecorating, 
all the weapons everywhere. And he thought about it, and he's just like, oh, I should have treated this hostel so much better. I was careless with it. And I was willing to fall for anything, and now look. Now my hostel's been repurposed as a compound that's going out of control. moment. One guard went up to him and untied him. And then Karen was also in the room and she was just like, alright, we're done. And then Theo was just like, well, what do you mean you're done? And then Karen was just like, it's been three weeks, you know? We uh, got what we needed for the hostel. Uh, and, uh, you know, you got your place spruced up, redecorated. So, uh, yeah, uh, Mutual benefits have been fulfilled. It's time for us to move on. And Theo was just like, no, 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 you fucked up my entire hostel. You know, you brought it in with your weirdo cult or whatever the fuck it is you're about. Like, no, no, I'm not taking this without a, I'm not taking this laying down. And then Karen just smiled and was just like, but Theo, look outside. And then Theo looked outside, out the window. And he saw that there was a line outside the hostel around the block. And he was just like, who are all those people? Are they part of your weirdo cult? And she was like, no, they want to stay at your hostel, you know? Our hostel takeover got a lot of publicity. And a lot of people in this country uh, thinks that the government is shit, and therefore thinks re revolutionaries are sexy. Now they think this hostel sex sexy. So they think you're a revolutionary. And he's just like, well, I, 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 I still don't understand. And then Karen just sighed and was just like, just, just let it, you know, just, you know, a lot of people are into revolutions, or if not revolutions, and at least weird cults. So you got a lot of business that way, man. I don't know, we've got like a... 40 years to another extinction period, people are going to believe in anything. And we didn't publicize our beliefs or anything to the public. We thought you could decide that, for whatever your deal was. But now people are just in it for the, uh, for the guns and the moxie, man. It's time for us to go. the hostile or takeover crew and uh, put away their cameras and take their guns back. They didn't even fire any of them. And then Theo just watched the final truck ride off. Karen was in the front seat and she waved at him. And then Marcus stood behind Theo and just like looked at the crowd and was just like, oh wow, we gotta... This is gonna be really good for a while, I guess. Probably gives us some time to spruce up the place, huh? And Theo just looked at Marcus, and then he looked at the crowd of people ready to stay at his hostel, and he was just like, I hate this country. Yeah. <laughs> How's that for a hostel takeover? <laughs> <laughs>
that's what this that's what the show's about, you know. Making your blood boil in all the right ways. Alright. This could be a number of things. This one's kind of open to interpretation. It could either be Pringles, Dingoes, or Dingus. I think it's Dingus. You want me to, it sounds like maybe I wrote it. I, 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 I think you wrote down Dingus. Well. You want me to see if I can read my I, I think it is. I think, well, we had a conversation about dinguses recently, <laughs> so I think it was... It's dingus. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if any uh, Pringles or dingoes show up. <laughs> Pringles are welcome. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> I look forward to the day when I'm not paranoid about a cough. <laughs> what? Oh, God. Every little, every little throat tickle could be doomed. Just, you know, this house is dusty. Yeah, I know. It's, I know. I, I'm so, like aware of just like the nuances of coughs now it's like is that one deadly is that one deadly coughs. Yeah. yeah like you, the whole language you've learned without yeah. knowing we've learned it <laughs> yeah COVID cough nope that just sounds like nope, allergies nope just, just stuffy nope nope, nope just, just got cold sleep apnea that's that kind of cough nope so, just something caught in your throat you know <laughs> nope they're just thirsty that's that kind of cough mm. <laughs> nope that's just an anxious laugh not a cough not a COVID cough yeah not deadly not deadly not deadly no. knock on wood excited to visit Australia, especially Vinny. <clears throat> he didn't really know too much about Australia, personally. He just knew that uh, Margot Robbie was from there and the spiders were deadly. That's all he needed to know to freaking go to Australia. Tex was a bit more savvy, uh, he knew some stuff about the wildlife and all that. He knew how to be careful. And they jumped around to different cities in Australia. And at a certain point of their trip, they were staying in a desert. And did some cool hiking and stuff. cartoon, you know, like a Tasmanian Devil cartoon or something, and Tex was like, well, it's not quite the, yeah, sure, alright. 
Tex knew that Vinny uh, had an inclination to be over-enthusiastic about things, which is why he was friends with Vinny, but also it could uh, be a real pain in the ass, uh, especially if you're in Australia where spiders and whatnot can be deadly and stuff. We talked to other Australians about it, and they would say it was just like, yeah, this is part of it, just generally avoid spiders, you know. Some Australians would talk about uh, American tourists coming in just being like, oh, a spider, you know. Kind of wanting to be bit by the deadly spiders as a sense of adventure. The Austral Australians just be like, no, no, don't do that. So Tex and Vinny rented a car and were driving through the desert. Vinny was taking a bu bunch of pictures. He's never really traveled much, so Tex knew this was a big deal to him. And then suddenly Vinny shouted, Stop the car! And then Tex stopped, and he was like, Whoa, whoa, what's going on? He thought it was like an emergency or something. He was like, Is it a spider? What is it? What is it? And then Vinny just like hopped out real quick with his Pringles. And then Tex was like, Vinny, what are you doing? followed him, and then Benny was just like, Tex, look, it's a dingo. And then Tex was like, yeah, it's, dingoes are, yeah, dingoes are a thing, you know. And then Benny was just like, maybe the dingo ate your baby. It's like, like Seinfeld, you know? It's like that Seinfeld episode. It's like the, Elaine was talking about the dingo. And then Tex was just like, I didn't see a lot of Seinfeld, man. Come on. Benny's just kept taking pictures of the, of the pictures of the dingo, and then Tex was just like, "All right, well, I guess you know Benny's into it. Just let him have his fun, and then we can start keep driving off to the next hiking spot or whatever." And then Benny uncapped his uh tube of sour cream and onion Pringles. They shouted to Tex, I'm gonna feed it some Pringles! And then Tex is like, dude, don't feed the dingo Pringles. Eventually, Vinny just started to chuck Pringles at the dingo in its area, and the dingo was just like, oh, okay, this is, this is interesting. chucking them, like the Pringles were just like hitting the dingo, literally like in the nose. And then Tex was like, what are, you, what are you doing, man? Vinny, what are you doing? Why are you throwing Pringles at that dingo? And then Vinny's just like, I'm just feeding the dingo, man. And then Tex was just like, Vinny, you're being a dingus. Stop throwing Pringles at the dingo. And then Vinny was just like, I just want to watch him like chew it up and eat it and get some cool footage of it show everyone on like Instagram or whatever you know I want to feel like an adventurer you know and then Tex was just like oh Jesus Christ 
So Tex gave uh, Vinny five minutes to have his fun with the dingo, and then eventually the dingo like scampered off. And then Tex was just like, alright, let's just keep driving on. I want to get to the spot before dusk. driving. Eventually the tire hits a flat. And they pull over at the side of the road. Tex looks at the flat and he's just like, alright, I guess I gotta change it. of the car and then sees that there's no spare tire and he's just like uh hey this rental didn't come with a spare tire it's pretty weird and then Vinny was just like well yeah because I, I took it out left it at the rental place and then Tex was just like why did you dude why did you take out the spare tire and then Vinny was just like well I wanted you know we wanted the trunk space for any cool you know Australian stuff we found or whatever Tex was just like, uh, Vinny, man. Jeez. <clears throat> Alright, I don't know what the Australian counterpart to AAA is or whatever, but uh, I saw a gas station a couple miles back. I could start walking and see if they can call someone or if they have a spare tire or something. The sun was already setting. The text made it to that gas station. Uh, he offered to pay for a spare tire, but they just gave it to him for free. And he's just like, oh, thanks, man. But he still gave him, like, a tip anyway. Just for the sake of common courtesy. So as, as it's getting dimmer out, the sun's gone. Tex, rolling, Tex is rolling the tire across the, the road. And he returns back to the car, but something's wrong. The light's on, and one of the doors are open. And then Vinny's splayed out, outside of the car. holding his Pringles tube and broken Pringles crumbs are all over him and he's covered in blood. And the text went down like, Vinny, Vinny, you right? What happened? Oh shit. He didn't know a whole lot about the wildlife in, the, in this part of Australia, but it surely couldn't have been something this vicious. He's just splayed out, covered in blood, Pringles on his lips and on his face. 
and he's just like, Tex, they, they got me. The dingoes got me. And then Tex is just like, dude, what do you even know about dingoes? Do you even attack? Do they even attack in packs like this? And then Vinny was just like, I don't know, man. I was attacked by a dingo. I don't know what else to say about it. And then Tex was just like, how are you, all right, well, how are you feeling, man? Do you think you have to go to a hospital? We can make a detour if you want. Were you bit by any bugs or anything? And then Vinny was just like, no, no, I'm good. I can, uh, I can walk it off. We just go to the next uh, hotel place or Airbnb or whatever the fuck that we're staying at. I can I can relax a bit there, and I think it could work. I think it can I think it would work. And then Texas is like, all right, well we'll just we're gonna keep driving on. Uh, if you need anything, let me know. We'll do another status check when we get there. We're pretty much almost there. It's probably be another 20 minutes or so. So they drive on. Uh, Vinny's squirming around in his seat, in his, uh, his passenger seat, feeling very feverish, eating a bunch of Pringles. He goes to the to his bag in the back seat, starts pulling out another Pringles tube and starts munching on it. This one's pepperoni pizza flavored. And Texas is like, how many Pringles tubes did you bring? And Vinny's just like, I don't know, man, but I'm really fucking craving Pringles right now. Like, I need all of them. So they get to the motel near the uh, hiking trail. They check in. Bring their stuff in, but Vinny's too weak to move. Texas is just like, alright, that's it, man. I'm bringing this stuff back in. I'm gonna take you to a hospital. And Vinny's just like, no, nah, man, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then Texas is like, you do not look good. You are very hot and feverish. Red all over. Like, I'm taking you to a hospital. Like, no, it's just it's just sunburn, uh, heat sweat. It's just, uh, you know, just Australian stuff. And then Texas is like, dude, you don't even know that much about Australia to be talking all this praise about Australia, right? I'm just taking you to a hospital, and just that'll be that. We'll get you well and then we'll reschedule the trip and work our plans around that way and then Vinny suddenly screamed no and then Tex backed away and was just like well I'm taking you to a hospital man and then suddenly Vinny closed the door to the car and then locked all the doors and then just huddled himself into a ball and then Tex was just like Vinny Vinny keys were in the car, and then he was just like, alright, fine, you can sleep in there at night, I'll chuck them in the morning, alright? I'll call an ambulance while you're in there. Maybe a locksmith or whatever. I'll get in there with a crowbar or a wire hanger or something. I'll smash this window to save your life, dude. So Jax makes a call to get an ambulance over. waits by the car, but he doesn't seem to move inside the car. He's really worried about his health, or if he was bit by something or whatever. Next 
Mostly Tex hears a loud crash, and then a lot of footsteps scampering off. He goes to the car that they, that they had, and one of the windows are broken open. Finally, an ambulance arrives. And then one of the EMTs is just like, Alright, so where's the, uh, where's the guy? He said he was bit by something, he had a fever. And then Tex was just like, oh yeah, that's, that's, um, he's gone. I don't know where he is. And they're just like, what do you mean he's gone? And then Tex was just like, well, he's just, he broke out of the car and then he just, like, ran off. And they were just like, well, you couldn't catch him or anything? It's like, no, no, he, guess I didn't even see him go. He just must have ran really fast. And then the two EMTs looked at each other. And they were just like, didn't, he didn't encounter any dingoes in this area, did he? And then Tex was just like, well, he's uh, feeding a dingo some Pringles. Um, you know. The EMTs looked at each other again, and they were just like, listen, buddy, I'm gonna just, we're just gonna give it to you straightforward. So this area is specifically, specifically well, well known for, uh, for where dingoes. We don't know your friend, but if he was feeding dingoes Pringles in this area, they probably came back for more and bit him or something, and now he's off being a were-dingo now. And then Tex just muttered, muttered under his breath, just like, oh, that dingus. I told him not to feed those Pringles to those dingoes. Alright, well thanks for your help, I guess I'll, I'll try to track him down. Like, no, you don't get it. Like, he's a... He's one with the dingoes now. Like, there's no... It's a full moon tonight. There's no real saving him at this point. And then Texas is like, Oh, I gotta try. He's my friend. So he gets in the car, and he starts driving around the desert off-road. Keeps the high beams on. Tries to find him. He drives for about 40 minutes like this not knowing what to expect. Until he hears very vicious humanoid uh, dingo sounds. And then under the high beams, he hears it. More dingo sounds. sees what he thought was his friend. He sees Vinny in a similar outfit he wore that day. In his tattered clothes. With the physique of a dingo and the shape of a human. gets out of the car and he's just like, Vinny, you dingus. And Vinny turns around, snarls at him. Tex doesn't even recognize Vinny. So Tex thinks on his feet and he grabs a tube of Pringles. This one's barbecue garlic flavored. Shakes the tube and he's just like, "Hey, Vinny, you want you want some Pringles?" Starts to drop some of them on the ground and uh, Vinny goes for them and munches on them. 
as Lutex starts to leave a trail of Pringles. Eventually he tosses the tube in the trunk and then Vinny hops in. Then Tex closes the trunk door and then locks him in there. Then Tex quickly uh, starts driving the car again. Keeps hearing Vinny's uh, bangs and screams and snarls. Tex puts the stuff back in the, ho in the motel again, then sleeps there that night. And that next morning, uh, Tex checks on Vinny, and Vinny's just in the trunk, shirtless. And then Vinny's just like, oh, what happened, man? And then Tex was just like, uh, you, you, Vinny, you dingus. Turn into a were-dingo. And he's just like, oh, shit, really? And Tex was just like, yeah, man. Everyone told you not to get bit by anything in Australia. And what happens? You feed a dingo some Pringles, and then shit gets out of hand. I told you not to feed any dingoes any Pringles. And then Vinny's just like, oh, shit, man, I'm sorry. And then Tex was just like, all right, well, it's not going to be a full moon again uh, for the rest of our trip. So let's just enjoy ourselves and let it be. So Tex and Vinny uh, resumed their trip as planned, and overall it was pretty fun. They shared a lot of memories that weren't where Dingo related. And then they both went back to the States together when the trip was over. They live in separate cities, but they still keep in touch and visit each other from time to time. Tex often thinks about Vinny. Uh, him living his life as a were-dingo. And he often becomes concerned if Finny ever bit anyone and spread the, uh, the species of were-dingo throughout the United States. Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. And good night.